the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, well, we can just get started. Um, Today we're going to talk a lot about globalism. And we're going to just listen to some sound bites you haven't heard. Uh, Basically, uh, it addresses the systematic shotgun approach to the globalist agenda. You got the EU and you have all these different leaders coming from all these different angles, from the private sector, from the, uh, you know, parliamentary sectors. Um, and, uh, and, and then all these pseudo governing bodies. CDC, I thought was one of them, but that's a government agency actually. Um, I had read uh, years ago that the CDC was one of these private organizations that I think has somehow become a governmental agency agency of some sort. Um, but I think it morphed into that. I'm not sure. But um, the WHO is acting almost like the CDC, you know, with their authority. And there are other organizations that are following suit, like the World Economic Forum. Some people think that that's, you know, a state-sponsored government authority, and it's not. It's it's more rooted in um, being the puppet of corporate money and being the advisor to corporate uh, coercion. It's It's not far different than what Jeffrey Epstein was doing with his black book and his videotapes and his compromat to get politicians into compromising situations so that you could exploit them later. It's sort of like a enjoy yourself now, pay me later. The real, you know, Hey, come on in, you know, the party, it's free. The water's free. You know, the, the water's warm. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. 
They tried to pass net neutrality that way. They gave you the brochure. It looked great. Wow, this is making me feel all warm and fuzzy. The government's going to protect me, right? But, of course, (laughs) that wasn't even close to the case. No, they want to come on in. You know, this is like a pedophile, right? Here's a little doll. You're cute. You know, you're 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 a good good person. You know, and they groom these people. You see uh Joe Biden do it all the time. You know, Joe Biden the pedophile. Oh, slash president. <laughs> I mean, geez. We're living in some freak show world. He's in St. Croix now. He went back to D.C. for a day and then left. They're sneaking Hunter Biden in. You know, he's got like a hoodie on. And they won't announce it. He's not on the the, the flight manifest. But there he is. Somebody got a video of it. And there's Hunter Biden sneaking into the White House, going to his cocaine locker and snorting some cocaine in the White House. They don't call it white for nothing. I mean, we're living in a banana republic right now, and we were the wealthiest country in the world, and now we're being dominated by stupidity. It's unreal. So, a few things. Um, Top of the news, I I just uh, was doing a little research for this show and saw this cat turd cat turd someone that has a twitter account does pretty well on twitter good grief he says if you're wondering why he's down 40 points in every state this might be why who's he talking about he's talking about ron DeSantis, who's getting beat now by vivek and nikki haley Man, what a guy. He fell from grace, didn't he? <coughs> you don't pull on Superman's cape. You don't spit in the wind. And you don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger. And you don't mess around with Jim. Didn't Jim Croce say that? Well, Trump. You don't mess around with Trump. So Ron DeSantis says former President Trump is fine with weaponization if it's against people he doesn't like warning trump it's is likely warning he's warning that trump is likely to use the power of the government against his political opponents if elected again in a new interview well that sounds like liz cheney to me that sounds like paul ryan to me that sounds like mitt romney to me These are all people that have exploited the government for personal wealth. Mitt Romney did it with his Kofor black guy in Afghanistan and Ukraine. And Liz Cheney did it with Halliburton and Enron and the Carlyle Group and endless wars perpetuating the military-industrial complex into riches. And these neocons in general want nothing but war. I heard Lindsey Graham say stuff like that before he realized that Trump could help him politically. 
So Lindsey Graham is the same. John McCain and the McCain family uh, hate Trump. These were neocon warmongers that got rich off of the military-industrial complex by perpetuating endless wars. No matter what the bloodshed, no matter how many people died, that was what they wanted to do. And Ron DeSantis decided to hitch his wagon up to Jeb Bush. Remember Jeb Bush had all the money back in 2015, 16? He was the heir apparent. He was going to be the one. And then Donald Trump just smash-mouthed him with truth and common sense. And that's what people are made of in this country. Truth and common sense. You know, the true core American values are all about good. Judaic Christian values, family, competition, fairness, equality, not equity. So, Oh, it's funny, you know, speaking of equity, I always think of Kamala Harris and she was out there giving a speech about Kwanzaa. <laughs> you know, that, that religion was started by some radical freak rapist that uh, was an LSD drug pusher. <laughs> you know, and, and there's still a few people left that are just absolute morons that like, like call themselves Schwanzies. It's absolutely stunningly crazy. How stupid do you have to be? Um, but they are, uh, whoever is a Swansea, uh, whatever has got to be like, have a screw loose. So I was just listening to this, uh, clip cause I, I also, when I was preparing for the show, I saw all these, you know, border stories. Everybody wants to talk about the border. It's, it's a hot mess, right? Millions of people are coming through. We know that they're using the CBP one app to register, to use motor voter technology to uh, basically give the person breaking our laws a 10-year window of opportunity. Uh, They give them a a hearing date for 2033, you know, 10 years from now. They'll never show. And hopefully they're hoping that by that time they'll have some sort of amnesty. Anyway, so... What do they have to lose? Why did we ever have legal immigration to begin with? Why did we ever have women's sports to begin with? Remember that question? You know, if if there's no difference between men and women or everybody should just be able to roam any country they want. You know, this is a liberal way. And the thing is, is that what they're doing with these illegals, because it's still a law that says in, in most places, Although local municipalities have changed the laws, which are, I think, unconstitutional, and allowing illegals to vote. And that's why in 2020 they wanted to take the citizenship question of all questions. Are you an American citizen? Off the census. They took that off and they won the case. Because it's about people. It's about how many heads... How many people are going to be driving the roads? How many people are going to be needing the hospitals? How many people are going to be shopping the stores? How many people are going to be uh, needing housing? So it's about servicing people. 
It's not about whether or not those people are citizens. That's what their argument is. But naturally, they took that argument, one, with the courts, which is insane in and of itself, that you're not allowed to ask whether the person's a citizen or not on an American census. But they also also want to take off the checkbox that says whether or not you're a felon or not for a government job. And then the other thing is they give you this honorary ID that basically allows you, that through the honor system, you could register to vote or you're automatically given a ballot or, or registered a, a voter registration. But if you're not a citizen, you're not allowed to vote, but you still got registered. Now we got this post-COVID, but now it's a thing. So the U.S. Post Office, the biggest liberal union full of like, you know, inundated with like 80% blacks um, is the U.S. Postal Service Union. <clears throat> and we know how blacks love Democrats, right? So naturally, they got the whole U.S. Postal Service involved with the elections. And they just take the liberal union from the liberal U.S. Postal Service that's full of minorities due to affirmative action, and they're harnessing them. You know, like when Obama said, SEIU, you had my back, now I got yours. And we're going to redistribute wealth right into your pocket from Joe to Plummer. Remember when he said that to Joe to Plummer? So the point is, they're using a liberal union to deliver ballots outright. And they're using these illegals, these millions of people that are coming through the border, and they're giving, they're making it so they'll get a ballot. Now, they're not allowed to vote, but it doesn't matter because a ballot harvester is going to pick up those millions of votes, those ba- millions of ballots, and they're going to fill them out and get paid to do so. And that's the thing. You know, the 2000, that's what the 2000 mules was about, is they got these ballot harvesters acting like mules, wearing masks, putting, you know, and what other groups wear masks other than liberal groups? I mean, do you know of any? <laughs> I don't. So um, they wear their mask, they put their mask on, and then they just go and drop like 10,000, you know, envelopes into a drop box. <laughs> and that drop box isn't, isn't not to be counted until after the election day results where all the patriots show up, line up, wait in line, wait their turn, go vote, do it orderly, legally, one vote, one person, and boom. Then it's like, oh, we're, we're you know, getting our butts kicked by about 47,000 votes. So give me a skit of 50,000 votes. We'll win by 3,000. Give me, give me, give me uh, 50,000 of those ballots that was in that drop box. We'll count them after the night's over. And in the middle of the night, we'll just stop counting if we have to. I mean, that's exactly what they did in 2020, right? Even Russia said in their textbooks now, that the 2020 election was rigged in America. They were right. 
They weren't lying. We have a lot of ineptness, and they don't even care. They want all this money just to process these people faster. They don't want money to build a wall. Remember when Trump wanted to build a wall and he couldn't get $6 billion appropriated? And the Democrats were like, that's that's expensive. How expensive do you think? I heard this number. like It was like $13 billion or $37 billion. It was some ridiculously high number on what they're spending to house, feed, and give social welfare to illegals coming through Tijuana into California. I'm telling you, I heard it. I think it was like in the $30 billion range. But it was a big number. And I'm like, you could build five walls with that money. And instead, we're just feeding these monsters that hate us. Where, you know, acting with an attitude, waving the, the flag of the country that they are claiming asylum for. You know, I mean, if I'm claiming asylum for a country that hates me, and that's why I'm leaving to save my family's life. I seriously doubt I'd be waving their flag. But these fools, man, it's crazy. But they're taking all these people and they're not only using them as slaves, as slave labor, that keeps the corporate donors happy, but that also means that that uh, the Democrats are going to exploit those those IDs that are associated with those illegals. And give them all ballots. Call it a mistake if you need to. Oh, oh yeah, they, uh, unfortunately, what happened was they had an ID and it got mixed up with the other database. And But they still weren't allowed to vote. They needed, a, you know, they, they weren't allowed to vote. So they didn't vote. But our ballot harvester sure picked up all their ballots. And who are they going to complain? Are they going to really show up and complain? Hi, I'm an illegal. And uh, somehow I voted and I didn't vote. I don't think they're going to complain. And the Democrats know it, right? So here's uh, Senator Kennedy with a doozy. Oh, so I covered Ron DeSantis. So Ron DeSantis is acting and saying things just like the liberals are now. We dodged a bullet with Ron DeSantis because he is Mitt Romney in sheep's clothing. He just didn't know it yet. You know, he is Paul Ryan on steroids. He is Jeb Bush and what's wrong with the Bush dynasty. That is Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis will never be president. He screwed himself because he had Trump derangement syndrome. And I'm so glad we were on the right side of history when it came to him because I'll be honest, I was fooled too. I went to Florida and I saw all those shirts. Make Florida great again. I thought Ron DeSantis was just a just a rock star. And now I find out he's not so great. For him to say that President Trump, for him to make this lie and say that President Trump is fine with weaponizing if it's against people he doesn't like. For him to make that statement. If for him to warn Trump that Trump is unlikely for him to warn warn that Trump is likely to use the power of government against his political opponents is if elected in a new interview for him to make that statement is is really below the belt 
Especially when you could see the Mar-a-Lago raid was, you know, simply because the FBI is fearful that that uh, the missing pages of the Crossfire Hurricane Binder that have been un, uh, declassified and now can't be reclassified because they're missing. They went in to get them. See, that's what it is about that. Trump had the binder on declassified information based around Crossfire Hurricane. He wouldn't turn them over because they weren't classified documents. But they, hey, they belong to the government. They just wanted them back so that they could reclassify them so that Trump couldn't share them. But Trump outsmarted them. Well, it's not that difficult to, to outsmart the FBI. They're a bunch of morons, criminals over at the FBI and CIA and State Department and USAID and the Department of Education and the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, where do you begin? Where do you stop? Our whole government is a cesspool of corruption. They hide everything. They they create uh, lies over lies. CDC lied about the data related to COVID. Everybody that's pushing this climate initiative and ESG is lying about climate. It's a hoax. It's a scam. Why are they doing it? There is definitely an answer. But first, let's just cover this uh, border security issue for just one second. Eight million people have come across our border. Biden has done nothing to stop it. I fully believe Biden knows he is doing he is going to lose and wants to have cells that will cause issues when Trump is in office. Maybe. I don't think that's likely though. That's conspiratorial, but I kind of like the thought process even never nevertheless. But let's take a listen to Senator Kennedy from Louisiana. Since President Biden's been president, uh, how many non-American citizens have come into our country illegally or on the basis of a claim of asylum? Do you know the number? No, Senator. You're a senior member of Homeland Security, are you not? That's correct. Does anybody know the number? Try 8 million. 8 million is four Nebraskas. Four new states. Four Let's new assume, states. assume, I don't think it's as high, half of them are children. How many of those 8 million people are still here? Do any of you know? Okay. How many, how many of those 8 million are claiming asylum? You don't know? How many of them claim asylum and don't show up for their hearing? Nobody knows. Since President... Can you believe it? Can you believe our government is that inept? It's crazy. All right, we're going to get into some globalist BS because that's really what's motivating all of this madness. Everything you see is driven by globalist money because they see the United States as the last pillar that needs to fall for them to create a one world government. Because you can't have anything. You can't have a trade deal without American involvement that's worth anything. 
That's why China got out of TPP when Trump decided he wasn't going to participate in TPP. That's why the Paris Agreement ended completely when Trump decided to leave the Paris Agreement. Because no longer could you, you know, basically redirect funds from the American taxpayer to the, the, the beneficiaries in that trade deal. And in that Paris Agreement, it was going to be China, number one, and India, number two. So there was no money to be siphoned once we decided to leave the Paris deal, and so the Paris deal never happened. If it was such a good deal, why didn't they just do it without us? They didn't, did they? If TPP was such a good deal, why wouldn't they just do that without the United States? Because it wasn't good for the United States, it was good for everybody else. So here's IMF chief, International Monetary Fund chief. All right? Vaccine policy is economic policy. Let's take a listen. Why are all, who are all these people from all these different organizations? The IMF, the European Union, the European Bank, the Central Bank, um, the World Health Organization, uh, the World Economic Forum, right? The United Nations, right? All these people are signing off on things that Americans hate, absolutely despise, and yet they're just doing them. And it's all being forced down our throats. Where's the governance? Where's the where's the representation for our taxation? Huh? So let's take a listen to this. This year, next year. They always have this accent, you know. Vaccine policy is economic policy. Uh, and uh, it is even a higher priority than the traditional tools of fiscal and monetary policy. Why? Because without it, we cannot turn the fate of the world economy around. This year... Yeah, that's BS. Tell that to the small businessman, right? Okay, let's proceed. So we got the WHO. The unelected globalists at the WHO will soon be rolling out their global digital health certificate network. In effect, a global vaccine passport network soon to be connected to your digital ID, CBDC, social credit score, etc. If you allow them to do this, your freedom is gone. The COVID-19 pandemic highlighted the value of digital health solutions in facilitating access to health services while the emergency phase of the COVID-19 pandemic is now over, investments in digital infrastructure remain an important resource for health systems and for economies and societies at large. Like many countries, the European Union made significant investments in COVID-19 certificates to help people move around as safely as possible during the pandemic the European Union certification system was used by all 27 EU member states and more than 50 other countries. Building on the success of the EU system, WHO is proud today to launch the Global Digital Health Certification Network. 
So thank you so much to European uh, Union for the excellent certification system that you have transferred to us and we have the chance to build on it. WHO will begin operations of the network today with the existing COVID-19 certificate as a global public good. Soon after, we will expand this infrastructure by incorporating other use, such as a digitized international certificate of vaccination, routine immunization cards, and international patient summaries. WHO will continue to work with all regions to ensure that the network is accessible globally. What happens if I don't want to access it? Do I get hit with a social credit score uh, ding? Do I pay higher taxes then? Do they just take the money right out of my account with the, the total dominance of my money? Let's take a listen to what Nigel Farage has to say about how he was victimized by this globalism and central bank digital currency systems. Well, his banks basically deplatformed him. But this is another uh, point he's making. Von der Leyen is the president of... See, that's the blonde chick that's the president of the European Union, but let's take a listen. ...of the European Commission, 450 million people living within that union. Oh, and by the way, she's unelected... She's appointed, and here she is brazenly saying we need a digital ID card or app on our phones. Now, bear in mind, France and Germany are trialing this already. The European Union, she wants this to be enforced by the early 2030s and, may I add, backed up by a central bank digital currency living in a cashless society, and now she wants the whole thing to go global. Can you imagine... On this ID card will be not just your date of birth, your gender, your eye color, your height, your approximate weight. There will be your vaccine status, your financial status, and goodness knows what else will be on that card. Can you imagine this data falling into the hands of bad actors? And if you think about it, That's and, and I speak to somebody... I speak as somebody who's recently been debanked as a result of his political opinions. And this is happening in America, too, as you well know, to lots of people. If we're not careful, we head towards a Chinese style social credit system where unless you go along with the views of a day, you become a non-person. I cannot think of a more dangerous initiative than this. The problem we've got is we have to ask a question whether our leaders actually believe in our nation because they're prepared to surrender sovereignty to the World Health Organization, the United Nations, the EU, and goodness knows what comes after that. And the truth of it is, the world will be a better, more prosperous, peaceful place if democratic nation states cooperate and trade together, not give away their powers to unelected bureaucrats. And that was the Brexit message all those years ago. I now think what our little island did becomes a stronger message for the world, and in particular, after what von der Leyen said. We simply have to say, no, we believe in liberty, we believe in freedom, we believe in the nation state. There are other solutions that give us more sovereignty. And, uh, you know, Brexit never really, they never wanted, they never allowed Brexit to do what it really wanted to do. But, uh, 
And remember Obama was saying, you'll go to the bottom of the list. If you're, and then Trump said, we'll put you at the top of the list. Trump was all about unilateral deals. He wanted to bring Russia into the G7 and make it G8. And if Trump was able to do those things, Russia and Ukraine wouldn't be fighting right now. There wouldn't be these, this endless amount of bloodshed and wasted treasure in terms of cash. You know, hundreds of billions of dollars just floating around, going into the pockets of uh, a bunch of academics that call themselves think thinkers and think tanks. And it's such a waste if if we could have just instead put the money into infrastructure, building a wall, strengthening our military, uh, you know, allowing our manufacturing to thir- flourish, maintaining our status of being energy independent. You know, all of those things, it, you know, it's not hard to create a stable economy and avoid inflation if you have... If you're not chasing your tail, if you're if you have a uh, l- ultimate leverage, you can always control pricing. Yes, that sounds like the utopia, and if more people are 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 in the workforce, which was the case under Trump, then more people are going to be spending, and that's going to maybe create more pressure on supply and more demand on supply and cause prices to go up. But guess what? If you then can produce more, see, that's the difference between government spending, which injects cash into an in, in economy without in increasing productivity. Production stays stagnant. Cash becomes more available. And that devalues the cash that creates pressure on spending and supply and causes prices to go up. That causes inflation. It's purely the response, uh, the Biden economics that caused oil prices to skyrocket, to cause uh, non traditional, uh, non transitory uh, inflation like very long-lasting inflation. And so here we are. But um, all right. Now we just heard from the IMF. We heard from the World Health Organization, right? Now the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, announces the launch of EU's central bank digital currency. See, it's all happening. Digital euro is on the move. Yesterday, the Governing Council of the ECB approved the opening of the preparation phase. It will be a journey, and we will walk the journey together with the legislator. All European institutions will be involved to make sure that Europe is equipped with the currency of the future. Cash is here to stay. You will have all options. Cash and digital cash. So what does it mean for you? For consumers, it would be free and easy to use 
everywhere in the euro area. All of that, of course, is subject to the legislative process. Cash or digital, the choice will be yours. And then in a later interview, she said, well, there will be some restrictions on cash. Probably even some surcharges on cash. So, yeah, you might want to have the option to spend cash. It's sort of like, yeah, you have the option to not get the vaccine, but you won't be able to go anywhere. You won't be able to spend anything. You won't be able to buy food with your cash. Your cash will be worthless. (laughs) So then where's the choice, right? All right. So this is uh, Eva uh, Vlardingerbrook. Eva Vlardingerbrook. I was probably one of the first people to uh, turn turn, uh, my audience on to her. She's just so brilliant. And she was one of the leaders of the anti-globalist movement in the Netherlands. And that's where she's from. And uh, I think she's made some big inroads in exposing truth and, you know, making it possible for the Netherlands to finally save themselves by getting a new leadership that's more conservative and honors and respects the farmers and their right to, to uh, you know, to do their business. Let's take a listen to this. The European Union has been extremely clear about what their vision was. Okay. Funnily enough, even when they spoke about digital identity years ago, in some of their documents, they mentioned vaccine passports as a precursor to digital identity. And then suddenly the pandemic hit. And that I was, was like, oh, ID 2020. Is that the the initiative you're talking I about? I think so. Yeah. I ID 2020. I think it's called. Yes. And okay. it was like, okay, here now everybody needs to have digital vaccine passports with the QR code in order to take part in normal everyday life. The next step is that it, it's not just your vaccine data, of course, or your vaccination record. It's everything else. And why do we think that they are monitor, monitoring our carbon emissions right Footprint, now? Yes. Because, well, you know, they're saying they're doing it to raise awareness. So, uh, of course, nobody raises awareness for free. It's so that that information can be used and that you can be, again, controlled and monitored and limited in your freedom. So once that digital identity is there, combined with central bank digital currencies, if I stand here at the bar and I want to order a beef, um, like a cheeseburger or a steak or whatnot, and I do that only with my central bank digital currencies because I have no other means of paying it, it immediately can register, oh, okay, this is Ava. She just ordered a burger that is so many carbon credits that we are going to detract from her account. And next time that I try to buy one and I've surpassed my limit, it's just uh, CBDCs don't work today because you've surpassed your limit. Do you want to buy more, dear? Do you want to buy more credits? Yeah. And then they'll make money off it. And then they'll make money off if of it. If they decide to allow, allow you. Us. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is, again, you know, it's... We're going to walk straight into a two-tier society, just like we did with COVID. And, and this time, it's, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse. I agree with you. And for everyone that may think that something we said here is a conspiracy theory... You should go to the WEF website and look for personal carbon allowance and you'll find the document that they have about personal carbon allowance. It talks exactly about that. You you are going to be monitored for every step, every transaction, every consumption habit you have. 
because it's all tied into the climate agenda. They all speak about it super openly. Please. Yeah, they're using uh, climate to control your behavior. That's it. And they want to control your speech. <clears throat> and they, they make this stuff up. Like, you weren't allowed to speak about... Like we heard this clip earlier in the week. And they said, you know, um, you on Twitter, are, do you have a PhD? And no. You know, are, are you a medical professional? No. You're you're a, the head of uh, Twitter? Oh, yeah. Okay. So they, they, were, they were talking about that and they were saying, this is related to the Twitter files, and they're like, so why did you censor Stanford professors, Harvard professors, you know, like these professors that had a dissenting view but were from the top institutions in the world speaking about the truth about vaccines, the deadliness of them, um, the ineffectiveness of them, and talking about COVID in general. And they were censored. How in the world? You know, I mean, where where in the world do we not, or are we not allowed to have this debate about a particular issue? How is that going to help society? As a conservative, we always knew that this was the case, right? We always knew that the liberals were intolerant, that they were racists, they were segregationists, that they were, um, you know, what was behind all the tyranny that we've seen in history. You know, if you look at the Nazi party, it is a fascist socialist party. If you look at Hitler, he was a socialist. If you look at Lenin and Marxism and Marx, uh, Karl Marx, you know, all these people were basically big gov- bigger governments controlling commerce and, and people. So here's Bill Gates. This is a quick little clip. Um, unelected globalist technocrat Bill Gates at COP28. The issue of food systems, and again, why are they even talking about food systems? That's like systematic racism, right? I mean, when does the system get involved with racism or globalism or climatism or food systems, right? Or health. See, when Obama promised Obamacare, he knew what he was doing. You get the government involved in your health, then you get the government involved in your energy, then you get the government involved in your food, and then you get the government involved in your money. And all of a sudden, they're controlling everything that you do. The only thing, they're even controlling the air that you breathe, frankly. That's, that's total control. Don't let them. Spit in their face if you have to. But don't let them. Lock your doors. Don't let them. Get off the grid if you have to, but don't let them. Plant your own garden but don't let them. So globalist doublespeak translation, 
Due to our deliberate war on farmers, a lot of farmers aren't able to grow their crops, which is a blessing for us because it allows us to replace traditional agriculture with insect farms and fake meat laboratories and assume total control of the global food supply under the pretext of tackling climate change. (laughs) Yeah, that's what that is. Let's take a listen. I'm here in Dubai. Uh, This is COP28. very, very important meeting. Uh, The issue of health and climate uh, will be discussed at length. Uh, That's never gotten the attention it deserves. Uh, The issue of food systems and how with climate change, a lot of farmers aren't able to grow their crops, uh, which is a a tragedy for them. Uh, We'll talk about using innovation uh, to absolutely solve that problem. I'm here in Dubai. He cares as much about the farmers as he does the children that he raped on Epstein Island. Bill Gates is a monster. His father was not a walk in the park either. All right, I want to I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about this Barry Weiss uh, interview that she gave, or she gave a presentation, and she's talking about. diversity, equity, and inclusion in the wake of the universities. Okay? So let's take a listen to this because I'm going to, we're going to talk about it afterward. Intellectual freedom, not ideology. Things like hiring based on merit. By the way, Barry Weiss is a liberal. Uh, She was a New York Times writer and, you know, so in any case, um, but but just listen. To this. She's she's also Jewish, obviously. But um, the uh, we're, but what she has to say here is kind of intriguing because it does come from a liberal view. Things like doing away with double standards on speech, and yes, walking the walk, not sending our checks and our children to schools that betray the most fundamental liberal and American values. But above all, starting today, we need to uproot root and branch the ideology that has supplanted truth at the core of American higher education. And that ideology goes by the name DEI. It was 20 years ago when I was a student at Columbia that I encountered this ideology for the first time and that I began to write about it. Of course, at the time, it was a nameless niche worldview but I noticed that it contradicted everything that I had been taught since I was a child. This was a worldview that replaced basic ideas of good and evil with a new rubric, the powerless, good, and the powerful, necessarily bad. It replaced colorblindness with race obsession, ideas with identity, debate with denunciation, persuasion with public shaming, the rule of law with the fury of the mob. I noticed that People were to be given authority in this new order, not in recognition of their talents or their gifts or their hard work or their accomplishments or their contributions to society, but in inverse proportion to the disadvantages their group had suffered as defined by radical ideologues. When I raised alarm bells about this at the time, I was told by most of the adults I respected not to be so hysterical. Campuses were always hotbeds of radicalism, they said, and this ideology would surely dissipate as young people made their way in the world. At least that's what they promised me. But they were wrong. It didn't dissipate. Over the past two decades, 
I watched as this inverted worldview swallowed all of the crucial sense-making institutions of American life. Yes, universities, obviously, but also cultural institutions, including some I knew well, like the New York Times, as well as every major museum, book publishing company, philanthropy, media company. Then it moved to our medical schools and our law schools. It's taken root in the HR departments of every major corporation. It's inside of our high schools and even our elementary schools. This ideological takeover is so comprehensive that it's almost hard to notice it. And that's because it's everywhere. This ideology is obviously dangerous to Jews because in this new worldview, where fairness is measured by equality of outcome rather than equality of opportunity, who do you think that singles out? If underrepresentation is the inevitable outcome of systemic bias, then overrepresentation, and Jews are just 2% of the American population, suggests not talent or hard work, but unearned privilege. This conspiratorial conclusion is actually very, very close to the hateful portrait of a small group of Jews divvying up the ill-gotten spoils of an exploited world, captured most powerfully in the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. But it isn't only Jews who suffer from the suggestion that merit and excellence are dirty words. It is strivers of every race, every ethnicity, and every class. That is why Asian American success, for example, is so suspicious. The percentages are off. The scores are too high. Where did you steal all of that success from? Of course, this new ideology doesn't come right out and say all of that. It doesn't even like to be named. Some call it wokeness or anti-racism or progressivism or safetyism or critical social justice or identity Marxism. Whatever term you So I wanted to comment there, and then I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, you know, it, it really boils down to doing the right thing and hard work, right? That's what it boils down to. I think so. And... If you play by the rules and, you know, you don't get knocked up early and you don't, you avoid uh, being dependent on drugs or you avoid drugs altogether, you get yourself a higher education and you show up on time, you, uh, you know, play by the rules, dress appropriately, um, you know, avoid walking around the streets with your pants hanging halfway down below your butt and, and just adopting some sense of uh you know normalcy embrace christianity embrace the core values of our country and what our founding fathers had in store for us there's opportunities there there's opportunities in america and the, you know like i said yesterday the jewish population put that value to task you know, my other question related to, you know, Thomas Sowell said, you know, yesterday you know, we were listening to Thomas Sowell talk about ego and talking about jealousy. And, you know, when someone is at the top, they want to be taken down. That's where the anti-Semitism is coming in, especially from moron and ignorant people like from the squad in Congress. But, but other than that, or the Hamas and Palestinians and the people that support them. They're all just stupid. Well, not just, but stupidity has something to do with it. And, and so the other part of it, though, is why are they all liberal? 
And part of it is because Jewish people believe in segregation. They believe in, you know, sticking to their own. And that is a somewhat of a socialist. Hitler wanted an Aryan race. I'm not comparing the two, obviously, but Hitler wanted one homogeny, right? And lo and behold, the Jewish people like that too. So it, they are adopting somewhat of a closed society, a secret society. If you go into uh, the Navy Yard area of Brooklyn, uh, you'll see Orthodox Jews, and it's a bit of a secret society with a lot of different sects, and some of them are more militant than others. I've been there, done business with them. In any case, let's take a listen to just another extension of this conversation here. But perhaps nothing has made the dangers of DEI clearer than last week when we saw those three university presidents fail to string together basic sentences about terrorism simply because the terrorists are what they call the oppressed and the victims are what they call, quote, white settler colonialist. But perhaps nothing has made the dangers of DEI clearer than last week when we saw those three university presidents fail to string together basic sentences about the difference between good and evil. Now, the antidote to this poison is not for the Jewish community to plead its cause before the intersectional coalition and to beg for higher ranking in the new ladder of victimhood. It's not to assign Jews protected status along other side minorities because the solution to discrimination isn't more discrimination. That is always a losing strategy. And in any case, Jewish identity doesn't fit into this very crude racial framework. Because is Judaism a race? If so, what color? Is it a religion, an ethnicity, a culture? See, Jews are by their very existence an affront to this black and white ideology. No, the right solution isn't to retrench DEI, only this time including Jews. The only solution is to dismantle the DEI regime that has enforced an illiberal worldview at nearly every American university. It is time to end DEI for good. No more standing by as people are encouraged to segregate themselves. No more forced declarations that you're going to prioritize identity over excellence. No more compelled speech. No more going along with little lies for the sake of being polite. It's time. I'm to stand up for what is right. That's it. That's that's true. That's a, I think she makes a great point there. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Make a donation if you can. If you'd like to continue to hear the Scott Adams Show commercial free, also use Red State over at mypillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper just to bury my kids right up to there.